0: This is The Guardian.
1: I'm Jane Lee, coming to you from Wadundjeri and this is The Full Story. After months of drawn-out negotiations... The Greens have finally agreed to support Labor's signature social housing policy.
2: Thanks to the Greens, there's now that $3 billion available that'll be uh, available for public and community homes, and it's available now.
1: Paving the way for legislation to pass this week. Both sides have claimed they've won this battle.
2: This $10 billion Housing Australia Future Fund is the single biggest investment from a federal government in more than a decade in social and affordable housing in this country.
1: And though the Greens ultimately backed down on their demand for a national freeze or cap on rent, they're vowing to continue fighting for renters.
2: The battle for renters' rights is lost, but I think the war for their votes continues.
1: Today, Chief Political Correspondent Paul Karp on why the political fight for renters is just getting started. It's Thursday, the 14th of September. So, Paul, the last time you were on the show to talk about the Housing Affordability Future Fund, you told us about the impasse between Labor and the Greens, and this week they finally agreed to support the bill. So, remind us very quickly what that fund is again.
2: The Housing Australia Future Fund is a $10 billion fund that is going to invest and then spend its earnings at least $500 million a year to build social and affordable homes, which in its first five years, Labor has said it will build 30,000 of those. Now, this was a policy that they took to the election, but they've struggled to get green support for this year in very protracted negotiations. Right.
1: And so... In reaching this agreement, Labor hasn't agreed to give in to the Greens' demand for a national rent cap or freeze, even though that was, I understand, a major sticking point during these negotiations. Why did they end up backing down on this in the end?
2: So the Greens had two demands. They wanted direct spending on housing, not just the investment model, but some money up front. And they wanted a cap or a freeze on rents. So in June, they won $2 billion for social and affordable housing, which goes to the state and territory governments to either build properties or repair existing stock. And then this week, they won billion for public and community housing. So all up, they can say that they've got $3 billion of direct spending that isn't reliant on this investment model of first investing and then spending the earnings. So they got a lot of action on the first demand, on the second demand, a little bit of progress in that uh, Labor has agreed to limit rent increases to once a year, but really uh, failing to meet the mark that the Greens set of a cap or a freeze on rent. Labor wasn't prepared to do that for a number of reasons. Firstly, that it would harm supply that there there would be fewer private rentals uh, if there was a cap uh, on the rent that landlords could charge. And secondly, about the constitutional authority, the fact that tenancy law is the domain of the states and territories and no states and territories uh, signed up to this this Greens plan. So I think in the end the Greens had to be pragmatic and settle for more direct spending rather than um, winning more concessions on the renters' rights issue. But they're going to keep agitating that as further housing Bills come before Parliament. It's you know, the battle for renters' rights is lost, but I think the war for their votes continues.
1: So in the meantime, where does that leave renters who are struggling right now?
2: Well, Labour have done a lot for Renters, They've increased Commonwealth rent assistance in the budget. Renters in WA and the Northern Territory particularly should benefit from limiting rent increases to once a year. And there's some, some basic renter's rights that are going to be nationwide. But in terms of rent rises, they are still at the mercy of the market. And, you know, that is driven by occupancy rates, by, you know, supply and demand uh, of rental housing and, uh, and in the immediate short term, that isn't going to change. In major cities, there is a big squeeze on and rents are increasing at their fastest rate since the GFC uh, because, you know, th- there's a huge demand for, for private rentals.
1: Well, as you mentioned, Paul, the Greens insist that they're going to keep pushing for renters' rights.
2: Rent freeze and rent caps is something this country needs. We need to give people and renters some breathing space while all these new um, homes are being built. Uh, and we're going to keep pushing on that.
1: How will they do that now that this deal on the half bill has been done?
2: Well, they've said that they'll use every opportunity, so a future housing bills coming before parliament, and we know the first one in their sights and the next battle I think is going to be over Labor's help to buy scheme, which is a shared equity scheme in which 10,000 buyers a year are going to benefit from the government taking equity of 30% for an existing home or 40% for a new build in the home. And for that buyer, that's a huge advantage because they only have to borrow or, or pay out of pocket 60 or 70 percent of the cost of the home, but they get the benefit of, of living in it. So that's a huge benefit to them, but it's going to set up this dynamic again where the Greens are using a bill to benefit one group of people to say that we should be doing something else for renters, and that, that's going to be a, a quite a difficult battle.
1: And so, do you think that Labor could eventually be forced into finding a way to help renters?
2: I think Labor's going to have to get a lot better at selling its achievements, like it's, it's going to need to increase supply and then it's going to have to make the argument that that has helped bring rents down. They might use other levers like increasing rent assistance again in a, in a subsequent budget, but they have rode out very hard on saying that they're not going to be capping or freezing rents. So it is going to be very difficult for them to give ground on that issue.
1: So, if that doesn't work, if the Greens aren't able to persuade Labor to do more for renters by withholding their support for the government's help to buy scheme, what else could the Greens do here?
2: Well, I think they've said that they expect Labor to give concessions. If Labor doesn't give concessions, then they'll fight this all the way to the next election. You know, they're going to be targeting um, MPs. In the inner city or in seats experiencing a high degree of rental stress. So, uh, Josh Burns, seat of McNamara in South Melbourne, Justine Elliott in Richmond uh, in the Northern Rivers area in northern New South Wales, uh, are two seats that are towards the top of their list. So, you know, I, I think they're going to be making the argument that they are the party for renters uh, into the next election to try and increase their lower house representation.
1: Well if the war is continuing and it could go into the next election could that be a real risk for labor
2: So for several election cycles now the greens have managed to get you know high single digits or low double digits votes enough to guarantee them you know one out of the six senate seats in every state but it's been very hard for them to break through in the lower house they started to do that with Adam Bant and then at the last election electing three Greens MPs in Brisbane. And they are, they are hoping that they can lift their vote, particularly amongst, you know, young, young people and people who don't own their own home, and renters are one third of people in Australia. They're hoping they can lift their vote enough amongst those cohorts that they start to win seats with a higher proportion of rental stress or a lot of young voters. So it's a battle for the inner city uh, and there are other Labor-Greens contests that we're going to see as, as a result of that dynamic.
1: Next, how the Greens are redrawing the political battle lines in a housing crisis. Was this protracted negotiation worth it for the Greens? Do they come out better from this fight or are they damaged by ultimately failing to deliver on a rental freeze or cap?
2: The Greens are positioning themselves as the party of renters and although they weren't able to win this battle for a rent freeze or cap, I think the war continues. The war either during every housing bill that comes before Parliament when they'll demand the same thing or the war for renters' votes if we go into the next election um, without a rent freeze or cap. I don't think they've harmed their stock amongst renters. They are now just going to argue that, you know, we passed the half but rents didn't go down, so, you know, this proves we were right all along. Um, And at the more extreme end of the rhetoric, the housing spokesperson, Max chandler mather directly attributes the rent increases now to Labor's fault because they had the opportunity at National Cabinet to do this and they didn't.
1: Mm. And what is the length of time that it took this deal to happen? Tell us about how Labor and the Greens are working together right now.
2: Before I answer about the Labor and Greens dynamic, I first just want to point out that this whole argument between Labor and the Greens is actually set up by the Coalition's decision to oppose this bill, right? If Labor and the Coalition agree on policies, then it sails through the Senate and they don't need to talk to the Greens. And I think the dynamic that the opposition is trying to set up is to have a fight between the two progressive parties and then the Coalition, uh, you know, hopes that they'll win either way. Either the Greens will end up blocking a key plank of Labor's election commitments and they'll be at each other's throats all the way to the election, or the Greens win concessions off Labor and then the Coalition can paint them as, you know, too close to each other, a Greens Labor government, Adam Bant is pulling pulling the strings of, of the Labor government. So I think that's the dynamic that the Coalition have tried to set up. And... In terms of the way it actually shook out, I think it shows us that if the Greens are prepared to hold out on something, that they can win substantial concessions. I mean, nobody can say that, you know, the $2 billion for the social and affordable housing accelerator and then $1 billion for public and community housing announced uh, this week is small beans. Like, those those are big concessions. But I still think if the underlying bill... Is something that takes a bite out of the problem, even if the Greens think that that bite is too small, I think the fact that they've eventually come to a deal on this shows that while they can hold out, while they can win concessions, if the underlying bill is is helping, that they will eventually pass it.
1: Right. So it's an interesting dynamic that's been set up here, as you said, Paul. It's, you know, Labor versus the Greens, tenants versus prospective homeowners. It seems like even though this deal has been done, the political fight that Greens have started is going to keep going. Where do you see this heading?
2: The the Greens are trying to awaken class consciousness in the sense that they want renters to think of themselves as renters and for that to be a, a major determinant of their vote. I mean, you can walk into the polling place on election day and think of all sorts of different things. You can think, oh, I earn about this much, so which party will be better for that? Uh, or I prefer this party's handling of you know, women's rights or this party's handling of the environment. There are lots of things that you can be thinking about when you cast your vote. But what the Greens want people to be thinking about is that I have a class interest as a renter that is intractably opposed to the interests of the landlord. Either I get a rent increase of, you know, 5% or I get a rent increase of 10%, and that's a zero-sum thing. Either I win or the landlord wins. So they they want people to be casting their vote on that basis. And so I think that is going to be the measure of whether this campaign is successful. Does the status of um, people's housing, you know, I'm a renter for life, Uh, does that determine how they vote?
1: That was Paul Carve. He's the chief political correspondent for Guardian Australia. You can read his latest article on the Greens' deal with Labor. It's called Greens vow to keep fighting on housing as party takes aim at Labor's help-to-buy scheme. We'll post a link to that on the Full Story page. I also recommend you check out Paul's feature article on the Greens' battle for renters' votes. It'll be up this weekend at theguardian.com. That's it for today. This episode was produced, sound designed and mixed by Daniel Simo. Theme music was by Joe Koning. Our executive producer was Hannah Parks. I'm Jane Lee and if you like this episode, don't forget to subscribe or follow Full Story wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also leave us a review. Okay. Thanks for listening. Catch you next time.
0: Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts?